0: We just want to lift out one verse, but please keep your Bible open at Matthew 12. The Lord Jesus is the speaker in verse 30. He says, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Let's just read it one more time. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Father, take your word, and we pray that you would make it alive unto every heart at whatever part of our lives we are at and our walk with you, or whether, even if there's someone unsaved. We pray tonight, Father, that you would speak to them through thy own divine word, your inspired word. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would take it and wing it to every heart. Father, we ask you to help me to glorify the name of Jesus. Help me to lift him up. For he's all that matters. And he is all that counts. You're worthy of the glory, Lord. For you alone deserve it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The context of our 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 text tonight in Matthew 12 and in verse 30. The Lord Jesus has healed a man, possessed with a devil, cast out the devil. He's dumb and he's blind. He can neither speak nor see. And of course, he receives his sight and he's able to speak. And in this chapter, we find that the religious Pharisees, the Jewish, if I can call them religious leaders of that day, they come and they say, Jesus is casting out this devil or these demons and healing the sick by the power of Beelzebub or by the power of the devil himself. And then Jesus goes on to say that Satan can't cast out Satan and any house divided will not stand even in the wickedness and the wicked realms. And that is the context where Jesus brings those around him to verse 30. He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad, he says. In other words, he says, you're with me or you're against me. You're with the kingdom of Satan or the realm of Satan or you're in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. You are with Christ. He's saying there that there are those not only who are one or the other, but he's saying there's no middle ground. Now, take note because you think in many church circles today there's a middle ground. There's a middle ground on other issues that Scripture plainly and clearly points out that there is no middle ground on. So the idea is people sit on the fence. They sit on the fence and say, well, Jesus, I am not against you, I'm not with you, but I wouldn't say I'm against you. Well, you say that, they may say that, pardon me, but those who say that are really taking their stand against Christ. They're making their choice, and they're saying, I'm not with you. I'll sit on the fence on this. Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me. See, you can't sit on the fence, friend, when it comes to Christ. And listen, Christian, brother, sister, you cannot sit on the fence when it comes to Christ and his word. Too many people are mealy-mouthed. They have backbones carved out of banana, like a soft noodle, and you find they won't stand for the word of God. They won't believe the word of God enough to tell the word of God, and then they bow the knee, they bend, they break, they sit on the fence on issues that are clear in Scripture, that are clear in the Word of God. And we find even in Christian lives, we don't serve the Lord whether we feel we serve him or not, but many don't serve him in the way that he has called us to serve. This verse is more than just about being saved and lost. It's about being saved and going on with God, being saved and laboring with Christ. It's about being saved and walking with him in fullness and relationship every day or scattering away from him when trial comes. You ever wonder why so many people tend to fall away and backslide? It's because, first of all, they'll fell out in love with Christ it's because maybe they are not fully sold out for Christ. They have never laid their full lives on the line to say, Lord, I will serve you no matter what it costs. We find that in this world that we're living in, whether it's in Ulster or Britain or America or wherever you want to class it, we will find that there are those who are willing to go so far with Jesus, but then that's enough, no further, when the things are led on them to take their stand. Jesus says, he that is not with me is against me. Brother, let's take this in for a moment. For the religious leaders of the day, and the, they were in their garb. They are the people who stand there with all their academia, and they stand around Christ after delivering by supernatural power the devil. By delivering a man from this wicked spirit, he heals him. He can speak where he couldn't speak. He can see where he couldn't see. Here's a poor man who no one would care about or think about, yet Christ came and healed him. And of course, those religious men gather around with the people off the day, and they start saying, you're off Beelzebub. Now, when we go into this, uh, well, we won't go into it. You can read it when you go home. We have not time. But the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was the unforgivable sin. Attributing to the devil that which is the work of God. Attributing to the devil that which is the work of God. And we must be careful. We must be careful that when we see God work, that we do not attribute it wrong because it's maybe something we're not used to. We test the Spirit's. We wait and see, but let us be careful because we may just be doing the same thing as they did. Standing for the truth, standing for Christ, standing upon his word, standing and not backing down. People say, you're not a Christian. You're no love and you've no grace There's no mercy found in you, but really it's not whether there's love, grace, or mercy. It's got nothing to do with it. It's whether the Word of God says it or the Word of God doesn't say it. It's whether Jesus said it here or he didn't say it. And we find here, he says, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not with me, what about the abortion issue? Are you with him on it? His Word says... That life is precious. That only God can take that life. What about the whole LGBT situation? And the the gay marriage or equal marriage? Are you with the word of God or are you against him on it? Notice what Jesus says here. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. What about issues when you know you have to take your stand and work? What about issues you know when you have to let people know that you belong to Christ? Are you with him on it? Or do you scatter and grow weak and grow weary and back off because you don't want to be labelled with the Pharisees or the religious leaders. Because who are you after all? Oh, you're just the simple Christian who believes in Christ, just like me. We cannot change the Word of God. We dare not change the Word of God. And we wouldn't change the Word of God. Notice here what he says. First of all, in the end of it, we want to look at the gathering and the scattering before the main thrust of this. The gathering here, he that gathereth not with me, scattereth abroad. The word gathereth is the word sonago. And it means to gather as we have this evening in this place. It means to assemble as we have, or to draw together. Something has brought us together this evening to be in this house. You see, you're not here by an accident. You're not here because even just you thought it. You're here because the Holy Ghost has put it in you, in your heart and in your mind, to gather on to Christ. You're here not even by coincidence, but you're here by a God incident, divine providence. You're here because God wants you here for some reason he will tell you off. Notice this. It means to gather, to come together, but here's what it gives the idea of: to labor. Labor together. Actually, there's one of the renderings where they gather in the fishing nets and they all pull with one accord. And they grab again and they Pull the net in with one accord. And the fish are, are filling the net and it's full and it's heavy. And so they all with one accord in unity with one gathering grab the net and they pull it in with one accord. That's how the church needs to stand in these last days. Gathering together with one accord. Laboring in Christ with one accord. This is how we should be, working with the Holy Ghost in one accord. The idea is that Jesus says, Will you labor with me, church? Come on, disciple, he says. A disciple is a disciplined one. He says, Will you labor with me? The days are dark and the times are hard. They're perilous times, as Paul would tell us. And that's all may be true. But Jesus says, "Labor with me, or work with me, and work together, gather unto me, and work with me." Notice here. Let me show you a couple of examples. For Matthew chapter three, Matthew chapter three, we have John the Baptist speaking, and John the Baptist is speaking of the Lord Jesus as he would come. That is the first time here. But he speaks to him, in a, of him, in a, in a future sense. Of a future sense. Matthew chapter 3, and that's our eye run down just to one verse. He's talking about baptizing, and Jesus would come and baptize with the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about Jesus coming, and then sometime later to baptize with the Spirit, and then he would sort out the church, as it were. He sort out the world. He says in verse 12, whose fan, that's the fan of Christ, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Notice the word here. He says, his fan is in his hand, he'll thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. The idea here is the fan that he has in his hand is likened onto what known, was known as a winnowing fan. So there were two ways that they separated the wheat from the chaff. Some would throw the grains into the air and the heavy grain would fall to the ground and as they waved the fan, the chaff would blow out. Separating that from the heavy, pure grains of wheat which would fall down, then they would gather the grain up, or they would bring it to the threshing floor and they would beat it and they would beat it and they would beat it. And all sorts of grain would start to fall out of it onto the floor. But so would parts of leaf and parts of the stalk and parts of the the chaff that was around it, it would all fall among it. Being the same color, it meant that it couldn't be distinguished. So what they did was they got the great following uh, fan and winnowing fan pardon me and they, they done this across it and if more they went the harder the wind blew and the harder the wind blew the lighter chaff started to gather started to blow started to go to the outside and they would gather in the wheat because it was heavier it would not blow so they gathered the, the chaff and they took the chaff to the fire and they threw it in the fire but the wheat they gathered together in order that the wheat may be used for a profitable purpose. You see, brothers and sisters, that's what Christ does with us in our lives. Sometimes he has to blow the chaff out of us. Do you see the winnowing fan? The winnowing fan of Christ, you know what it is? It's the word of God. The winnowing fan of Christ is the word of God taken by the Holy Ghost to the heart. And speaking to the man and speaking to the woman and telling them, yes, you're walking right or no, you're walking wrong or you must go this way or you must do that or you must lay that down or you must carry on. It's the winnowing fan of Christ is the preaching of the word of God. The winnowing fan of Christ is not only the preaching of the word of God, it's the gospel of your salvation. The winnowing fan is the winnowing fan is you're hearing it tonight. The winning farm that talks to the heart and talks to the life and blows the chaff, the word of God comes, and the spirit breathes upon it. And all that draws from our lives is gathered together, and as it were, burned out of our lives as Christians. but the unbeliever, the unbeliever, there will be the chaff that blows to the outside. And the unbeliever will be gathered. Put into unquenchable fire. But the grains of wheat will be gathered into the garner for profitable use. Turn with me to Psalm. Keep your Bible uh, uh, marked also at Matthew 3 if you can. Turn with me to Psalm 1, please. Notice this. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Here's something for you preachers who want a little tip for a little word to bring. Notice, first of all, they're walking. Then they're standing. Next, they're sitting. There's your backsliding. You're walking and you stop to behold it, you stand long enough, and then you sit among it. Notice even the people, that is the ungodly, then it is the sinner, and then it is the scornful. Those who do not walk and stand and sit with with them, but rather go on in Christ. Notice this. Those who do not, they're blessed by God. The word here for blessed gives the idea of, Oh, the blessedness and the blessedness and the blessedness of the man and the woman who do not these things. Then he goes on to say, His delight, but his delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. What will he be like? He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water, that bringeth forth fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Here's God saying, walk with me, pull in your harness with me, gather together in my name, and on to me, labor with me, no matter how dark the day is. He says, and I will bless you, and you will see prosperous times. Notice now, Verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Here's what I have written here just in a little blue, with a little blue pen just between those verses. I've wrote at the top, the ungodly are not so, I've wrote easily carried away. And here's what I've written below it, between that and the next verse Worthless, dead, unserviceable, without substance. Do you know what's going to matter in these days, brothers and sisters? I've been at you, I know I have. I've been at you morning and night on a Sunday. And on a, a Tuesday night for weeks now and i 've been saying to you about the spirit that 's looming over our nation, the spirit that's looming around the world, and the spirit that is bringing people to a lost eternity to a devil 's hell i 've warned you i 've told you we 're seeing it happening i 've asked you to pray that the Lord would open your eyes that you might behold it, and what is going to keep you. Listen, I love you we 're great tonight when you were leading the, the praise and worship here I loved it, I could sense the power the presence of the Lord and I really enjoyed it but what's going to keep you is not this what's going to keep you, it's the word of God it's the word of God not a program in a church not the latest evangelist that comes or the latest circus that comes to town and we go to run after them. It's the word of the living God in the heart of the man and the woman that will keep you in the darkest of days, in the darkest of times, and say, should the death dew lie cold on my brow, if ever I've loved thee, my Jesus, tis now. It's the word of God. The word of the living God that will keep you. Unfortunately, we're having not all, but many who are coming up and fed, and they grow up like church mushrooms. You know, mushrooms are put in a box, they're kept in the dark, and they're fed on manure. There's many in the church who couldn't tell you what it is of justification by faith alone. There are many in the church who couldn't tell you what a sanctified life looks like. And there's millions in the church who have never known the power of the Holy Ghost. Program, brother, sister, programs, never,, can, can, never replace the Holy Spirit in the meeting. Here the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Friend, brother, sister, listen. What would drive you away from Christ? Oh, well, nothing will drive me away. Yeah, that's okay when you're among Christians. You're here, and it sounds good. But when you're on your own, the pastor never shook my hand at the door. That's driven me away from Christ, then. Your eyes were on the pastor, not on Christ. Simple as that. It's not true. You may leave the church, but never leave Christ. And notice what he says here, verse 5. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment. Not that they won't stand in judgment. It means they have nothing to stand on in judgment. They have no hope in judgment. There's no thing, nothing in them that they will be able to stand when judgment comes, it means. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Will you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel again, please? In chapter 13, this time. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. Let's just read from verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field, and while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he saith unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? And he said, But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. That both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now, the disciples wanted to know what this meant. And this parable, it can use, be used in the application of a gospel message as we are using it tonight. It can be used in the application of In the church application of those who are tares and there are those who are wheat. There are those who say they're saved but there's no sign of any growth or spirit or fruit from their lives. The real application of this is to do with a greater application of the kingdom of God. And among God's scattered servants as people. It's to do with Israel. Nevertheless look with me if you will at verse 36, Then Jesus sent the multitudes away and went into the house and said, And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Notice, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. Now in another parable, he says, The good seed is the word of God. Here it is, the children of the kingdom, or this is initially the children of Israel. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. Shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth then Shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father? He who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Notice what Christ is saying here. There's coming a time on a global scale when God knows every grain of wheat that is his. And he will send forth the gatherers of the tares at the harvest. The tear that was mentioned here was known as bastard wheat. It looked identical as the usual grain of wheat with the stalk and the full ear, the full head of corn. It looked identical. But as they started to grow, the true wheat started to bow over and bend. But the other, because no weight was in it, it stayed upright to show itself. And the idea of this is that those who are truly Christ will be bowed in praise, will be bowed in adoration, will be bowed in worship. They will be the true grains, the true kernels of wheat. And those who have nothing in them will be easily identified by the angels to be gathered to be burned. Now, this word to gather this is the same word, cynical, that Jesus says, if you're not gathered with me, you'll scatter abroad. It was used when the disciples seen our Lord was arrested and they scattered. They scattered away from him. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, it says of the disciples who were gathered onto him, in the upper room, it says, "And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together." The word "assembled together" is the same. It is sunago. They had gathered together on the Christ, and were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Notice that it's when we're we're gathering. It's not we're just coming to church. It's not that you're just coming because it's what we do on a Sunday night or because even the pastor is looking for us and he's going to phone me up and say, Where were you on Sunday evening or whatever. It's nothing to do with that. We're gathered onto him because he said, Are you with me? We're gathered onto him because he's placed it in our hearts to be here. We're gathered onto him because he's saying, Labor with me, work with me. Let's draw in unity and in unison. That's the idea of it. And what happened? When they were gathered together unto him, the Holy Ghost came. What if we were able to get every single person in here to take your watch from off your wrist? Now, you know, here's the thing. I know in CET, we don't have a shut time. And you are good because you've never complained to me. I don't usually listen anyway, but just don't complain to me. And it doesn't matter what the meeting is, just don't complain, and I appreciate that. I really do. But what if we took our watches off and we set them out of the road and we says, Lord, we're not leaving here tonight until the Holy Ghost comes. I just think they're getting a nice cream and mods on the way home and it'll be shut by nine. Who thought that? A warm night like that. I don't blame you for thinking like that. But here's the thing. What if we did? What if we set it all down? And we said, we're not going to move. Like Jacob of old wrestling with the angel of the Lord, with Christ himself. What if we were to say... We will not let thee go except thy bless us unless you come in the power of the Spirit and fill every single man and woman in here. We're not leaving, Lord. I reckon if that happened, listen, the boys that were talking to the witches up the street, I'd see them change like this. The man down there who cursed and swore at you, Kevin, the whole way up the road, you'd see him change like that. You'd have the authority of the power to go. The church would change not only the village to believe that there'd be revival again in Ulster if we were tarry in the presence of the Lord. Notice. Notice what it says. And they assembled together. They were all filled. All filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Huh? There was no yalla bellies here. Do you notice that? There was no half baked men or women here. There was no fence sitting, no sitting on the fence here for Christ. They went out, they had the Holy Ghost. And they preached the word of God. They were bold with it. No sitting on the fence. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, the devil owns the fence. Don't sit on the devil's fence. Don't sit on the devil's fence. And they went out and preached the word with boldness. It wasn't, well, you know, I'm going to try and politicize my way around this question to see if I can get rid of you and say the same line over and over and over and over and over and over again until you give up asking me. They went out and they spoke for Christ and they spoke the word of God and they spoke it boldly. They were on unashamed, they were unafraid and they told the people of the glory of God in the beautiful face of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Matthew 18 and 20, Jesus says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The idea here is that if you're gathered with my interest in view, that's what it means. Jesus says, we can get three and say, we're just going to gather together, but we do more talking than we do praying. That's not gathering in Jesus' name. Or maybe there's four and three turn up and the back rip the fourth one until he he or she comes. That's not gathering in Jesus' name. It's like when James says, confess your faults, one to one, your sins, but it means your faults, not as a priest, your sins. It means your faults if you've faulted. Confess one to another. It's like the three wee women. And one of them says, well, what's your fault? Sometimes I let my tongue slip and I say things to a student. Well, what's your fault? And the second one, he turns turn around and she says, well, you know, I don't like to say it. She says, you know, but I have an eye for the men. And I say to the third one, what's your fault? she says, I can't keep my mouth shut. problem. It's on Jesus' name. Holiness unto the Lord. Holiness unto the Lord. And it means her two or three are gathered, Jesus says, with my interest and view. Lord, it's about your interest. I'm on your team. I'm with you, Jesus, in this I'm on your side. The word scattereth is the word scorpizo, and it means to scatter, to disperse, to cut asunder, or to cut to pieces. It gives the idea of one being so terror-stricken they can do nothing but turn to run. What did the reformers do when they came to lift them because they didn't believe in the mass? Stayed for the truth. I wonder what we would do. Well, honestly, what would modern Christianity do in most cases? I can't say all, but most cases. What would happen? So Jesus in Matthew 12 and 30, in context with what he's saying, he's saying, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. I want to look at this, but give me another five to 10 months and that's just finished. Here we're told, Jesus says, if you're not with me, you are against me. Let me emphasize it again. You can't sit on the fence with Jesus. You're either for him or you're against him. He said that. The devil owns the fence, in other words, don't sit on the devil's fence. You not deciding for Christ. That is to follow Christ. Is you deciding to reject Christ? No fence sitting. No fence straddling. I want to show you this one point and we're closing. And maybe do part two next week. In Joel chapter 3 and verse 13, we see many, many people who thought they could sit on the fence. Their indecision became a decision. Joel chapter 3 verse 13. Let me get a drink and we'll read the verse. And then we'll read verse 14 as well. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The fat's overflow, for their wickedness is great. Notice, here is the world. In the eyes of God, says, they have filled their cup of iniquity. Now it's time. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the, law, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. I'm going to show you something about this that you may not know. And if you can catch this, you're going to see the severity of it and the tragedy of it. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The Hebraism of the multitudes, multitudes, really means immense multitudes. God looks and says, there's immense multitudes in this valley. Immense multitudes. The idea you and I would think is this. Well, there's still a decision, as it were, to make. <clears throat> That's not what it means. That's not what it means. The folly of decision really means their decision is, has been made and the valley they are in is their determined doom. Mm-hmm. Let me just go a little further. The word decision is the word carutz. It means, it gives the idea of something sharp and pointed. In other words, something or someone who is diligent. These who are in the valley, they're not to make a decision, but they have been so sharp. They have been so decisive. They have already made their decision. I don't want Christ. now they're in the valley already for the thrusting in of the sickle. They've already turned him away. So the valley of decision isn't about those who can make some big decision. The idea is they've already in their hearts precisely And sharply, decisively, they have said, I am not with you. Someone sent me a photo on my phone today of a young lady. I showed it to Daniel. Standing with a big board up. I am proud I'm going to hell. Proverbs 10 and 4 speaks of the man who is diligent, who will make rich, and ideas, and he's so decisive in his labor. You know, people who are good and able to make money, as it were, they were able to go well in business. They went straight forward. They went and they did it. They were decisive. They were set. So it says it makes rich, and it's the same word. They were decisive. They were set, and they turned away Christ. And now he looks at this, he says, multitudes, multitudes, or immense multitudes are already in the valley of the decided ones. This is their determined doom thrust in the sickle because the fats are full already. There's no more room for their sin. There's no more room for their sin. listen now there's no turning back for salvation I know we talk about decision there you can't decide unless God speaks but when he does then come to him Jesus says he or she who is not with me Is against me. Isaiah 41 and 15, the prophet says, Behold, I will make, the Lord says to the prophet, pardon me, Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. Thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small. What God says, the word sharp threshing instrument, the word sharp there is the exact same word for decision. The word for tooth, sharp teeth. It's the same word for decision. It means they were sharp. They were decisive. I'm proud to go to hell. Jesus, I'm not willing to follow you. Jesus, I'm happy on the fence where well, the devil owns the fence. For if you're not with me, He says, you're against me. Your silence is your consent. Even if it's you, Christian, where God is telling you, take your stand in these dark and last days, but people will fall out with me. Are you more worried about people falling out with you? Or are you more concerned about being right in the sight of your father? And we sit on the fence. Don't sit on the devil's fence. For he that is not with me. Come on. Are you with him? It's your decision. I'm with you, Lord. I'm with you. All the way, Jesus. In your grace, I am with you. And we'll look at it next week. If the Lord be God, then serve him. God's word. God's will. God blesses all. God bless his word to all of our hearts this evening. Thank you for your attention. It's been wonderful.